Hello, my beautiful people. We're going to continue with Killer Choice, Chapter 9. Killer Choice, Chapter 9. Beth was already awake when Gary walked into the kitchen the next morning. She sat at the kitchen table wearing a pair of yoga pants and white t-shirt with a smorgasbord of cartoony junk food screen printed on the front. An ice cream cone, a pizza, a slice of pie. Written across the belly of the shirt was the inscription, It's not for me. It's for the baby. Feeling better? Gary asked. Beth nodded. Much? No headache at all. Gary sat down next to her, her entire body worried. Sleep had come in fits and starts last night. The few hours of rest he'd gotten had no effect. On the table in front of Beth were two sheets of paper with names printed on them. One right after another in Beth's perfection penmanship. More people to reach out to? Gary asked. Beth nodded. I've been working on this all morning. I've got a list for you and a list for me. They are breakfast and chatted. Beth really did seem fine, totally different from last night. Her headaches were always so unpredictable. Deliberating one moment, none existed the next. Usually, it only took a few hours of rest for a headache to pass. When they finished breakfast, Gary grabbed his list and stood up from the table. I'll be in the baby's room calling people, he said. Maybe I'll catch a few before they head to work. Be sure to tell them about the website. Send them to the link, Beth said. But if they can't help with money, see if they can post the link to Facebook. Email it to friends. Spread the word any way they can. I will, Gary said. Come get me if you need anything. Gary walked into the baby's room and shut the door behind him. He sat at the computer desk and set down the sheet of paper, pushing it off to the side. He wasn't making any phone calls. Not now, at least. It seemed pointless to try to painstakingly piece the paper together, $50 at a time, when they could have it all once if he agreed to Shamrock's offer. Tomorrow at noon, the phone call would arrive. In just only 24 hours, he had to make the biggest decision of his life, commit murder to save Beth. The initial shock of discovering that Devin Peterson was an old police officer wore off once he read about everything else Devon was involved in. The assaults, the corruption, the illegal activities, cop or not, Devon Peterson was clearly a bad person. For the entire night, as he lay awake in bed, Gary thought about it. Did it matter that Devin Peterson was a bad person, perhaps? It certainly made it easier to rationalize the murder. Beth was a good, good person. Devon was a bad person. Wouldn't killing a bad person to save a good person be somewhat justifiable? Not in the eye of the law, of course. But in his own mind, could be justified killing a bad, immoral person for a chance of saving a good, kind person. A good, kind person whom he loved and who happened to be pregnant with his first child. It was a question he'd have to answer soon. Gary took himself that right here, right now. He would sit at this computer desk, think long and hard about the question, and figure out his answer. However long it took, he wouldn't leave the room until he had an answer. Six hours later, Gary left the room. He didn't have an answer. He shuffled down the hallway, his shoulders slouched, his eyes glazed over, his hair jotted from his scalp, and uncontrolled turfs. In the living room, Beth sat on the green vinyl sofa that served as the centerpiece of their mega furnishings. The bulk of her pregnant body was curled onto one half of the couch. A small television was turned into 
late afternoon talk show, but the volume was muted. You're alive, she said. Gary nodded. He'd taken only a couple of breaks all day. Wants to get some of best friends who visited and greet them. And then wants to eat lunch with her. The total insulation in the nursery had turned his weariness into something more. A zumble-like exhaustion. All day, he thought about what his answer would be when Shamrock called. He still had absolutely no idea what he'd say. Didn't you have any luck making phone calls, Beth asked. What? Calling around asking people to help us with the money. Was anyone able to donate anything? Mostly dead ends, Gary said. He hadn't so much at glance at the sheet of names in the past six hours. Same here. A lot of answers that began with, I wish we could, but... She brought her phone to the life and showed him the fundraising page. Go 200000 Currently, they're only at $12,185. Almost six hours on the phone, dozens of phone calls, and that's all I have to show for it, Beth said. I felt like a telemarketer. When one person turned me down, I called the next person on the list. When that call ended, I called the next person, and on and on all day. Beth's phone rang, and she left the room to answer it. She returned after a minute. That was Sarah, she said. She and Rod want to take us out to dinner tonight. Dagnostinos, your favorite. Tonight, I can't. Time was ticking away. The tension was mounting. The pressure building. Tomorrow at noon would arrive in the blink of an eye. Why not, Beth said. I just can't. We have phone calls to make. That's what I told her, too. But she insisted that we needed a break. And you know what? I agree with her. We've been coped and up in this house all day. Dagnostinos is a five-minute drive, and dinner will take less than an hour. We'll be back here by 7, and we can make more phone calls then. Gary didn't respond. Maybe he decided. Beth is right. Maybe stepping away and getting out of the house would clear his mind. Okay, he said. I guess we can meet up with them.